Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the You Should Run podcast. I am Tony Heil, as of every other episode, councilman from Bridgeport, Pennsylvania. And if you were listening to this, if you listen in the past, you know, I've talked to someone from every state, every level of government from U.S. Senate, like my recent can, uh, candidate, Congressman Connor Lamb, running for Senate in Pennsylvania. Um, I've talked with people at um, higher, uh, lower levels, down to school board and borough council, like myself, in every state, plus Washington, D.C., and it's important to me to encourage people to run for office because we don't want to leave any seat uncontested, make people complacent in their elections, and not listen to their constituents. And I'm really excited today to talk to some new friends of mine, um, Village Trustee in Walton, New York, uh, in Delaware County, New York, which is this, maybe the second or third best Delaware County since I'm from the Philly suburbs. His name's Eric Ball. We're going to talk about his um, experience. And Paolo Kremitas, who is the head of the Outrun Coalition, going to talk about rural organizing and uh, you know getting people to run in some of these areas that may be difficult to run for various reasons. And hopefully you will be encouraged by this and consider running yourself, even if it looks like a daunting task. So, Paolo and Eric, thank you for talking today. Thank you. Yes. So I think that because, Paolo, you recruited and trained Eric, right? He wasn't a candidate before you. You he, you started this, right? Yes. Yeah, so the way that it started is, uh, I guess I'll go back a little bit of the story. Like, uh, there was this position in the state Democratic called the Rural Caucus Chair that had been, I don't know, like nobody had been in it for like six years. Uh, and so I volunteered to do it because I'm from Shimon County in Elmira. Uh, and we started organizing Young Democrats chapters in upstate New York. Uh, and that's how I met Eric. And Eric organized a Democrats chapter in Delaware County, the first one in his county. Uh, and I, you know, we were looking for people to run for local office. Eric stepped up to run for village trustee, uh, and we coordinated phone banking for him. Uh, and that obviously led him into victory. Uh, as uh, yeah, Eric can talk more about that. So before I introduce you, Eric, was Eric like the first person you had helped with this coalition, or was it um, had you been helping others at the same time? So we had originally, like, when I was, like, a like a rural caucus chair of the Democrats, we elected over 85 people to local office. And Eric had been one of the initial folks that had started that conversation. Uh, but the reason why we started OutRun uh, is because we were seeing that there were issues with, like, conversations about diversity in rural county Democratic parties. Uh, issues that, like, some of these county parties did not want to address. Mm-hmm. And issues times that led us to not having candidates for local office in some of these places uh, because people would be like, you know, this person wants to run. Uh, and if it was a person of color or a woman or a young person, that person doesn't have enough experience or that person needs to cut their hair and be more presentable. And then they, like these county parties wonder why they couldn't get people to run for local office. And so uh, we started out run to kind of put an end to that narrative uh, and show that like people can run. So, yeah, Eric had been like is a founding board of director member of, of the Outrun Coalition. Well, and Eric, you are a member also of your village in Walton. Um, have you always been politically minded? That's something I always ask people who have run for office. Has politics always been important to you, or was there something that kind of inspired you to take things more seriously, whether it was another election or some issue that came up? So, yeah, I've always had a good, big interest in politics, and I made it a focus of my college studies. Uh, I'm a history major. I graduated from SUNY Oneonta, and I was able to study local politics in the scope of the 1932 election and how it translated locally. 
and and versus the national narrative where there was a blue wave, but there was not a blue wave in Delaware County that year. Um, but anyway, I was able to to really focus on on local races and and just really get interested in in how could I enter this this uh, area and and obviously quite some time later and uh, just get involved. So I, I was inspired history nerd style uh, to, to just just try to understand Delaware County and the, the political makeup there. So what is the political makeup in Delaware County? Because I imagine there's a lot of counties in New York that are like that because because Del- New York is not all New York City, obviously. Most of it is, well, at least land-wise is not. Um, so what is the political makeup like? And, and, it's, and it's like a lot of other counties in the country in some way, right? Yeah, excuse me. So Delaware County, basically, in the political demographics, um, there, there's more. Uh, there's a basically like a 50, 40 divide between Republicans being the 50 margin, Democrats being the 40 or less. And then a, a huge chunk of independence in between, uh, but it's largely rural, and the the, t- the county government is is composed of a legislature, um, which is members of uh, uh, the, the town supervisors. So it's it's a government model that dates back to nearly the 1700s, um, but it's been largely uh, dominated by the Republican Party for generations. And Let me add just something. Um, like Delaware County also experienced, I think, like something like a 30-point swing towards Biden in 2020. And so what year did you run, Eric? Uh, so I ran in 20, uh, 2019. Mm-hmm. And uh, this past year, uh, my second term, um, I, I ran unopposed the second term. So... Uh, but yeah, so I've been at it for a little while. And so I think that there are a lot of counties like that that have a um, a significant but not monumental Republican advantage. But for various reasons, the Republicans are better organized. The kind of Democrats there, it may, it, it, and Paolo, correct me, or Eric, correct me, um, even though it's a like a 10-point Republican advantage, Voting-wise, it's a lot bigger because a lot of Democrats are kind of conservative Democrats or they feel neglected by the party. And so people will – or they feel like they have to vote Republican because there's no other good option. And if they well, don't, they'll be in trouble. Is that kind of accurate for these places? Well, so the, one of the first trainings that we hosted about Run was in Delaware County. Uh, and it was like around conversations of like why Democrats should run in these places and stuff. And you'd be surprised. You would think that, like, most of these counties, like, there would be, like, a lot of conservative Democrats. But, yeah, there's a lar- large group of, like, more liberal Democrats because there are a lot of college towns in a place like Delaware County mm-hmm. uh, who just, like, without looking at the numbers or looking at data would be like, we can't run people in this town. Like, SUNY, like, Delhi, home of SUNY Delhi. Uh, that is, like, it's like a college town. Uh, there were, like, county committee members in that, in our training who were saying, like, oh, no, the Republican town supervisor is unbeatable. Uh, they didn't know that Biden had won that town. Uh, they didn't know that. And like when we came in and had that conversation, uh, I think for the first time ever, they had like more than like five contested town supervisor races. Right, Eric? Yeah. 
And like, so I'm in and Montgomery County, Pennsylvania, which is a very like the second or third most important vote rich bank for Democrats in Pennsylvania. We have more people in our county than a few states have. We're like 800,000 people plus in our county. Um, and, you know, our one county has um, a member of Congress for basically our county because it's so big. Um, and but we only recently got to that change where it's so democratic. And also 2011 was the first time that Democrats flipped the county commissioners. Um, do you, th so I know it took a lot of years of local organizing. Is, is that kind of the vision in a lot of these places? Not that you need to get a democratic majority, but you got to, even in places where it looks possible, you got to build it up over time. You can't just be like next year or bust. Yeah. Well, so in Delaware County, you're definitely seeing a Democrat, demographic shift um especially as a result of COVID, a lot of people from new york city area metropolitan new york city are moving to areas like delaware county which is changing the the voter demographic um but albeit it's it's hard to see how that translates yet in in elections especially this last election and uh so but th things are on the move and, and things are prior to the pandemic. We're building at a, at the pace of, within our means, but yeah, it's, it's an uphill. It has been a uphill climb. Now I think, it, I was just going to follow up on that because I think that a lot of people um, in these in rural areas, not even just rural areas, um, suburban areas or whatever, where they see a lot of influx of people who aren't from there. And I don't, sometimes I can sound racist, but it just, I, I just mean like, who are these people who I don't know? Um, th there could be a backlash, like, oh, there's all these New Yorkers coming here, New York City people, or there's all these people from uh, across the state border or wherever, this other city coming. Um, do you feel like you have to deal with the backlash of our, our town's identity? We don't want it to change. And how do you handle that as a candidate to be, to be respectful of your town and what they want? Because it's not necessarily bad and also open to those new people who want to live there. Yeah, it is a definitely a delicate needle to thread there, but there, with that wave has come a new sort of investment in the area that people haven't seen in decades, and that people are responding positively to. Um, however, yeah, there there is that element of um, housing. No one can buy a house anymore. No one can find a, an apartment um, because real estate is being bought up left and right. So, and those are the things that I I run into often, and uh, I know I'm well aware of, of that issue. So, it, it's it's uh, it's complicated to say the least. Um, but you know, you, if your gentrification might put a new coat of paint on a building or, or, you know, kind of brighten things up. But what is, what is that money really doing to help everyone? Or, you know, are we forgetting the, the, the people that have always been here? You know, that, that's my focus to, to try to make, make a good uh, understanding of, of what that balance should be and to be responsive to, to both sides. And Paolo, you are training people to run in places um, like Walton and, and across the country, which is really impressive. Um, is that something you want people to keep in mind about, like being excited for some new change, which any candidate is, especially if it's against the partisan grain, 
but also you don't want to upset the apple cart and anger people that you are going to change their town. Do you, do you train them to be resp- about how to thread that needle that Eric just talked about? Well, the, the threading of that needle really is a conversation about diversity in these rural county Democratic parties, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and oftentimes, like we said earlier, uh, like most of rural America is changing. Like, let's acknowledge that, that there are like larger communities of color, that the LGBTQ plus folks have made home in rural communities, that indigenous communities exist in these communities, uh, that immigrants like myself have existed in these places. Like, I moved to Elmira when I was 12. That's my hometown. I, you know, I get the Appalachian accent from up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, that these are mainstays of the community that have always existed. Uh, but that the organizing model of the Democratic Party in rural America has thought that they weren't necessary in the past. And mm-hmm. they are. And I'll give you an example, right? Um, in Shimung County, where I'm from, it is a county that has five, uh, what's it called? Five districts out of 15 in our county legislature that Joe Biden won. Democrats can control one mm. out of five. Uh, and oftentimes, like, these folks, they say they want to run people for office and stuff, but we want to show folks that, you know, black and brown folks and LGBTQ plus folks and stuff, they've always been part of these communities. And that they are the candidates that have had to fight to be accepted. Like, when me and my dad moved to Elmira, People didn't know how to know my name. They had to call me Paul mm-hmm. uh, because they pronounced my name. Uh, but they, like, in that in itself, like, people learned to love me without even knowing how to pronounce my name. And they accepted me. And what we want to show the party and what we've shown in our track record is, is that the reason why we want to run immigrants, f- folks of color, women, young people, working class candidates is because they've, overhad, they've always overhad to overcome adversity to get accepted. Uh, and in a rural community where there are large like issues of poverty and, and, and class issues and folks just being felt like they're left out, those candidates that can connect to like, and I'm going to say white working class can white working class voters in rural communities by showing that they've overcome adversity, they're already much more electable than the person who says I'm a lawyer and I'm a moderate Democrat vote for me because of these policy issues. Making that emotional connection that somebody who is a barber in a small town who knows 90% more people than, you know, a higher white collar level uh, professional who wants to run for local office, that 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 the barber should be the person who runs for office. uh, That's what we show. And that's what we show that can be done. Like the one thing that I would say is like I was at a county committee meeting in Shimon County. And all of these like older, mostly white Democratic like elected officials, most of them who are representing towns that are changing, by the way, uh, they were like, man, we never see young people here. We never see young people anywhere. Uh, and it was funny because I went to a Panera, like a local Panera bread, uh, like chain, chain store to like sit and work at. And all of the staff were young people and there were multiple trans kids and kids of color. And all of these folks were not being activated. Why? Because oftentimes the Democratic Party will get in the way of itself in recruiting these folks to run. Mm-hmm. We do not create an inclusive environment to allow a trans person to run or a black and brown person or an LGBTQ plus person to run for office. Oftentimes some of the older Democratic Party like leaders, instead of listening, they're talking. And they're telling people that they, you know, for, for example, my friend Giancarlo Averius, they told him he had to cut his hair uh, as a person of color. My, you know, folks talking to like candidates uh, who are like young people. You don't have enough experience to run. Women, don't be emotional. And it's like, at the end of the day, like, we exist in these communities. And we've been existing in these communities for years. Like, you know, 
some of these folks that are coming in to talk about like, you know, how, what a rural candidate can be, they think that rural America is Joe Manchin or that American politics has to be Joe Manchin versus the squad. And that's just so exclusionary of all people across right. the country. And it's exclusionary in both directions. It's not just like if you're saying that rural America is like Joe Manchin, you're excluding people who are like AOC. And if you say that rural America is like, oh, there's all diverse, and you're excluding people from who are like Joe Manchin, and neither yeah. are good or bad. They just, they exist, and so you should find ways to be respectful of all all identities in this manner. Or, or oftentimes, like, we erase the idea that rural communities of color exist, or that people of color represent rural communities right. in legislative positions in the dem- within, like, you know, state legislatures and stuff, and that exists, and that's a real bad thing because like when we do that, the like 18 year old kid that wants to run for town council who like maybe 10 years from now could be a state senator. And then five years from there, be a congressperson for a rural County or for a rural part of the country and help keep a majority in Congress. That person's not being given a space to run for office. Right. And that's what we're trying to overcome. Yeah. Sorry about ranting. No, no, it, that, that, it's good. Um, so I, I remember, my experience, and in talking with people, not in small rural counties, but even in counties like Allegheny County, which is where Pittsburgh is, um, there's a lot of pushback to the old Democratic parties where, like, there was a big thing, I think, last year in Allegheny County where some of the, um, they're worried that some of the Democratic delegates in the in the county party, um, the committee people, were actually Trump supporters. And, like, they they just been there forever. Um, how important, and I'd like to get both your perspectives. Um, is it to be for younger people, diverse people of all backgrounds to not just run for elected office, but to be running to change the local county parties to, you know, and, and not take it for granted. Eric, you want to go first? Sure. Yeah. So, so it's, it's very important for, for people, definitely the younger generations to get involved in local politics. Um, because, because as you said, I mean, you, you've had people running these these chapters or uh, county county party organizations just with, without um, maybe much interest in the past couple of decades, and people that have been holding those positions maybe aren't necessarily responsive to to the national movement. You know what's going on, or you know what 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 concerns people of uh, first backgrounds. So it's definitely important for people to get involved locally with their, their, uh, their party and uh, to change the conversation and to put more energy into these parts of the country that really are, are starving for it, quite frankly. Um, the reason why, like the, the reason why we host outrun trainings is to identify literally that Tony. Like, it's a space for us to be able to connect with folks and say, like, okay, like, th- these are the folks that are diverse uh, who won. Uh, and then you'll you'll be surprised at some of the stuff that we hear at some of these meetings. Like, <laughs> I remember at one point, uh, in, the, in I won't say the name of the person, but in Nebraska, uh, county party chair was like, why won't the Latinos in- integrate with us? And, and just stuff like that, right? Uh, mm-hmm. and, and not wanting to under, like, to change the dynamic of understanding that there needs to be somebody representative of like younger people in these communities, if not the party's going to be dysfunctional and we see what happens when we have dysfunctional democratic parties. That's what leads to like the large swings in some of these counties, because a lot of folks 
are not given an option to find, to uh, vote for local office. Uh, and when we have that, when you have a one party county, you know, you get situations that are problematic. And, and at the end of the day, like, it's not just getting involved in your local county parties and running for local office. It's showing the National Democratic Party and showing like the people who are in positions of power who are actively engaging in this sort of like situation where we're writing off rural communities, that it can be done. And that showing in showing that it can be done, that young people, women, uh, women of color, folks of color, diverse candidates can win in rural communities, that that is a direct contradiction to the idea that the Democratic Party needs to write off rural America. So, and rural, and, and every rural region also has urban areas. And there, yeah. in my experience, and maybe Paolo, you will agree with this because I know you worked in, um, you've worked in New York City. You worked, so you have experience in, in all kinds of communities. Some of these very blue areas, these very democratic areas, have, to be frank, some of the lamer democratic elected officials or party, right? Like people who take it for granted, people who are Democrats and they keep getting elected, but they're actually not as liberal as you would think given their districts. Um, but then there are some really cool Democrats in these other states, like in Nebraska, Megan Hunt, who is an elected official. She is one of the coolest, smartest um, policy people in the country, I think, at any level of the government, Megan Hunt. Um, are yeah. you finding that as you go to these more rural areas that, um, you know, there are people in office now who can be mentors to the wider community you're trying to reach? Yeah, and I mean, like, there are good examples of, like, in Lycoming County, Pennsylvania, Williamsport, uh, the mayor of William, Williamsport, PA, uh, in a county that voted 67% for Trump, just voted in a black mayor named Derek Slaughter. One of our panelists, Star Poole, who's a, a single mother of eight who had has had to deal with issues of homelessness and stuff, a woman of color, is a school board director there. Uh, and she's awesome. Like, she's overcome so many things and is able to talk to, like, the notion of, women of color being put in, like the need of women of color to be in positions of power within rural communities to show that we can overcome uh, these notions of having to be left behind by like, and I'm going to say it, like it's true, in like these like safer like districts in Manhattan, uh, these like mostly like white affluent out of touch people who, you know, they believe everything like the New York Times will say, like don't be out there praising like Liz Cheney or something, or if like if, if, if the New York Times said the earth was flat, it, it has to be true, right? right. Um, but, you know, there's this trend, like I give, I give a good example of, of uh, my friend, and he doesn't really talk about his DSA membership that much because it's like not that big of a thing in upstate New York and stuff, but my friend John Deere, who's the first socialist town supervisor in New York State, uh, in New York State history, I think, uh, and he, you know, his wife, Perna, she's a woman of color, like she's one of our panelists too. They flip their town, the town of Manlius, from one to five uh, Republican to Democratic advantage, full Democratic town council uh, and a, a Democratic town supervisor. And this is right outside of Syracuse. These are, these are like conversations that are happening. And, and honestly, like it's one thing to show like this person that's like, I am the assemblyman for the Upper East Side. Look at me be the assemblyman for the Upper East Side. It's another thing to show like Antonio Delgado, the congressman for the Hudson Valley, who's like the first Afro-Latino congressman, who like most people will be like, you don't know anything about dairy issues. And like he just can like destroy people on issues of agriculture and stuff. Mm -hmm. And that, that speaks more to like the notions of like stereotypes and tropes within the Democratic Party, too. Yeah, I really like him. And again, I went to college in the Hudson Valley, so I was following him. And I know people there who are really impressed because he is 
very intelligent and clearly takes the job well, and he should really do this podcast. This is the most important thing. Well, um, we can, we'll, we can make it. We'll see. Yeah. He's, so he, he actually, he's my congressman, and uh, he has come to our village uh, actually recently, and I've worked with worked with his campaign before, um, you know, prior to holding office, and just just to say how, how impressed I am with him and, and uh, how uh, I think blessed we are to have him as, as a representative, because he does fight for his constituents he does care about these issues and uh it was a such a pleasure to have him come to our village and yeah. he he is also um by congress standards at least uh, a younger member of congress and eric you are younger you know you and guys are electing people at a younger age um it's sometimes hard to get people who are younger to think that they're worth running for office right and get their people to think it's worth it um, though I find that oftentimes they do better than anyone expected. Um, what is the advantage now that you've been in local office to having a younger voice there when people kind of say, oh, it, it should be someone who's lived here for 45 years. It should be someone with a long resume before you like run for office. What, what are the kinds of things that a younger candidate brings, especially to these more rural areas and towns? Yeah, I guess one of the most common things that I heard when going door to door for petitions was uh, about time to get some new blood. Like that was pretty much the the most often heard phrase. Um, but I think people, you know, to to that phrase, they're trying to to say that they they, they feel encouraged by or you know refreshed in, in their local political situation um because i think quite often you, you see these local governments that have these entrenched incumbents that have always just run for that office and always went unopposed and always won and uh you know people see a stagnation people get uh uninspired people get disengaged they, they don't like to participate anymore because they don't see anything so i i think when uh you get more diverse and and younger generations running for these these positions i think it has a marginally positive effect on the community to re-engage people in the, the political process and I, i've definitely recognized that in my community now i know you have something you want to say Paula, but you did just mention marginally um, Eric, and it reminds me of margins. So one of the people I talked to early in my podcast, um, she ran for assembly and lost in Wisconsin, Emily Segrist. Um, but Tony Evers won the governor's race there the same year. And there, and he won a squeaker, which, you know, to anyone from watching that race would have thought like a Democrat should beat this terrible governor by 50 points. But obviously that's not how politics works. What, what does it mean running for local office? And I hear from both of you, on the margins up ticket and is it better to be running locally for up ticket than up ticket down oh do you want um so i think the big thing that happens is and this is like something that's like been controversial but we really need to talk about it as a party like i love joe biden uh i can't say i love andrew cuomo because no nobody does uh kathy hochel's doing a good job um, but when you run for local office, um, you really have to realize that, like, whoever's vote, and especially in our rural communities, like, whoever's voting in your town, 
like how they vote for president should be the last thing that affects you. Because the thing that you want to do is you want to be able to, and this is what we're called the outrun coalition. You have to be able to outrun the top of the ticket to win your election. Mm -hmm. And to do that, you need to make sure that you talk to as many voters as possible. And in some of these towns, you can even like, I don't know, like some of these towns might have like, you know, 800 eligible voters. You can canvas that multiple times in an election cycle and you can talk to voters that aren't your traditional democratic voter and you're going to have to. And, you know, when you do that, when you show them the face of, of somebody who is a Democrat that isn't like this, like Fox News, Tucker Carlson idea of what a Democrat is, that you actually talk about the meaning and, and the meaning of running, being able to serve your local community and show that you're somebody that cares about your community more than, you know, the incumbent or somebody that's running who won't hit your door the way that we do. Like that shows that, you know, that will bring out a voter who, sure, they may not vote democratic for the top of the ticket but we've just made them vote democratic down ballot and that can go up trend up to state legislature and even to the congressional level yeah it's yeah, easier it's, to get i'm sorry uh, it's easier to get someone to vote democratic the second time than the first time um yeah so eric i'm sorry for interrupting what were you gonna say i'm sorry uh yeah so i would just say that's that's a definitely important thing to touch upon that when people run for these local local offices um, on the Democratic line, you are introducing people to to a Democrat that they that they don't see on Fox News, that they don't see on all these uh, crazy networks that that get demonized all the time. Um, so you're making them in a new impression on voters that traditionally just just have tuned the Democratic Party out of their lives. They know what a Democrat is in their mind, and that's it. Um, so I think that the Democratic Party as a whole should really be focusing resources and attention on local races, no matter how small, uh, no matter how rural, because you are essentially defining yourselves to uh, the salt of the earth people. Um, and it's such an important thing to do and to be focused on. Great. Now, um, I want to kind of end here in a, in a minute because we're running out of time. Um, for both of you, the, the podcast is called You Should Run very, very quickly. Uh, and Eric, first, if someone's listening and they live in a place that maybe uh, they think, you know, I could never I could never win here. Why would you encourage them to say, hey, think about it and run for office? Well, I would say we need you. Your community needs you. And um, OutRun is there to, to help encourage you and to be there to, to help you um, uh, make that decision. And uh, so we'd be happy to support you, anyone who's listening, in, if you make that uh, your, your, your choice or, or interested in running for office. Paolo? Okay, great. Um, so the reason why we founded OutRun is because we recognize that folks are often discouraged to run for office, number one, because states are in, in small towns and stuff. They may seem like a, a Republican hill to climb. But I'll tell you something. When you get a 22-year-old running against like an 80-year-old incumbent in some of these towns, and that 22-year-old can hit on more doors than the person who's older but has been there for a few decades, you know, odds are, in many ways, we inspire more people to come out and vote. We already show that we can move forward, uh, even if the Democratic Party doesn't want to move up forward in these communities. And we have a support network ready to make sure that you can win 
and not just run to get more votes for Joe Biden or Tony Evers or Kathy Hochul or whoever, but that you can win to show people that you are representative of this community and that we can show the National Democratic Party that we can win in rural America. And that we can do it without having to give $72 million to something like the Lincoln Project. Um, <laughs> that we can do it by making, because I think Eric at one point had like $137 in Spain. But anyways, back to the point. Um, you can do this by making sure that you run as who you are. You do not have to adhere to any standard beyond, you know, you can put your name on the ballot, you can collect signatures, and you can pick up a clipboard. And regardless of what anybody says to you, whether you're a person of color or a young woman or young person, LGBTQ plus person, our communities exist in rural areas. And for anyone to deny that shows that they're out of touch mm-hmm. and that, that we can win because we've had to overcome adversity to get accepted in these communities. And a lot of people in positions of power have. And that's why I think diversity in rural communities is literally the future of the Democratic Party. And that's why you think you should. Thank you. I, you sold me. I, I'm sold, and uh, I don't need to outrun here, though I did because I ran out of posts as well this year, so it was easy for me. Uh, but I appreciate it. Um, I think everyone follow Outrun Coalition online on Twitter, on Facebook. Uh, follow Paolo and follow Eric Ball. Find him on Facebook. Uh, thank you guys so much. And I think if anyone's listening. Maybe wherever you live, you should consider running for office too. And if you if it's hard, if you don't know what to do, check out the Outrun Coalition to do it. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you.